pastel de nata. Churros. Brigadeiro. Calzone. Apple pie. 水煮肉片. Bangers and mash. Toad in the hole. Paella. Welcome back, everyone, for another episode of Turning Chickens and Breaking Dishes. My guest today studied business communication in college, but the restaurant world was calling for him. In 2008, after successful internships in places like El Bulli, he assumed a position as a head chef for Tavares Restaurant. Today, he's one of the most renowned Portuguese chefs and restaurateurs in Portugal. In 2012, he opened Balcanto, the famous restaurant in Lisbon, and a few years after that, the restaurant was distinguished with two Michelin stars. This year, the restaurant was awarded number 46 best restaurant in the world, and also in 2022, he was considered number 86 best chef in the world. And we have something in common, I believe. We are both sporting fans. José Avilés. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, David. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for, for your invitation. Now, uh, José, I normally ask guests if they've been to Portugal. This part is obvious since you live there. We're going to ask the other way around. Have you ever been to the United States? And if so, what's your impressions? I've been a few times to several places in the States. Um, actually, I... I... I love many things many things about the United States. I love the culture of working hard um, and not to be afraid of earning money because in Europe sometimes people look at you if you work too much, they think that you only want money and you can do both. You can work and have money and do other things too. I've been in, um, in New York, Washington, LA uh, and around. I really like and now actually I would say that maybe 40% of my guests are American right now. So uh, we are starting to get more, get along more and more. And there's a lot of American buying houses in Portugal. In the last year, 45% uh, of the foreign that bought the house, uh, house in Portugal were American. So uh, I think we, have, we are closer and closer. Hey, two things about that. I always make a joke. I also teach classes and I tell my students the reason Portugal became very famous is because Americans found out that Portugal exists, which, you know, 15 years ago, they'll go to Spain, but they'll not go to to Portugal. And you say that about your restaurant. The last time I was, I was at your restaurant, next to me, I had someone from D.C. on my left and on my right, there was a couple from Philadelphia. So there you go. <laughs> Americans. Anyway. If I was American and I ask you, why do you think Portuguese food is the best food in the world? What would you say? It's something for me actually quite hard to to, to impose that. But we have also a lot of um, reasons to be able to consider that. We have uh, uh, the best seafood in the world, the best fish. We have a, a shore with our Atlantic cold waters with great fish. We have, uh, uh, although we have a small country, we have many different regions with many different kinds of cuisines. We had influence of the Arabic world. We, with the discoveries, we went to uh, many different places and we brought a lot of influences. Uh, so even comparing with Spanish cuisine and Italian or French, we have many things that are very unique and very singular in Portugal. And, and that's very special. And uh, for an American that is quite quite usual to travel three, four hours uh, by car, our country, we can cross in six hours. And you can find 
and try and taste many different kinds of wine, many different kinds of food. So I think that's one of the amazing things uh, that we have. Well, every time I go back home, I'm getting used to the driving, the Americans, you know, driving all over the place. And you know yeah. very well, if you drive for two hours, that means you're staying there for like two days in Portugal, right? My mom, she always freaks out, like, how 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 come you can go and come back in the same day if you're driving two hours? But I, but I get it. Can you make the distinguish? I try, but I am not very successful. But because you are one of the best, what we have different from Spanish food? Because a lot of people just think because we border, because we're exactly geographically very you know similar. What we have, they don't have. And what they have, we don't have. Actually, there are a few things that we both have, but they are really different. Like the cheeses, like the charcuterie, um, even the hams, they are very different. We both have, but they are different. The so well-known Iberican pig actually is the Alentejo pig from our Alentejo. That's that's the, the breed, that's a pure breed that then the Spanish made uh, some modifications in the breed. We have cilantro, that is something that in Europe we are almost on the only country that has. Spain has it, but in very small places, very small provinces. We use much more spices than, than they use. We have like white rice as a garnish. It's something that it's not typical in Spain. So, of course, we have they have olive oil, they have wine, we have wine, we have olive oil. I think we have the best olive oils than they have, um, best quality. Uh, wines, I also think that, especially quality, price, but that's we can have a discussion about it with the mm -hmm. Spanish. But even the things that we are quite similar with ingredients, the vegetables, the fish, the meat, then we have our way of preparing it. And that is unique most of the time to have uh, the whole fish uh, cooked in salt uh, or to have uh, the way we cook uh, the clams with cilantro and garlic, one of the most emblematic recipes from shellfish in the world. We are different. And Uh, I love Spain and I, I have a, a lot of friends in in Spain and there are Spanish from Madrid, from Catalonia. I also have family there and I, I go a lot. But I think that we have something very different. And in terms of history, there's a, a reason why. The hospitality in Portugal is different than in Spain. And especially also because we try to speak English or French or Italian or whatever, Uh, that uh, the foreign, when they come and, and start speaking in other languages, uh, we, we didn't have, like the Spanish had, double TV. Uh, so we always have the, the movies in the original uh, idioma. So we are more used to listen to English or French or Spanish or Italian. So we adapt easily. Uh, so this, in terms of hospitality, is quite nice to see that you are on the street and somebody starts speaking you in English, and mm -hmm. you immediately you try to speak in English with them. And, and this is special and, I special, and I have a lot of guests that tell me about it. And we are always, we try always to be nice. There's, there's a story about this big Chinese investor that is in Portugal, living and investing a lot, that she decided to come to Portugal after a, a short trip uh, in Portugal. She went to a restaurant and a waiter, Uh, then was raining a lot and the waiter went to pick his umbrella and took her back to the car by his decision. And she was very happy and she decided to invest uh, hundreds of millions of euros in Portugal because of that. 
hospitality. We welcome people. We like to have them with us. And we have something good. It's called Zenrescado, which is very yeah, us. Yeah. We yeah, are very Zenrescado. Yeah. Um, do you think you travel a lot around the world? I'm on this side, right? I, I'm in the US on the East Coast. I think perhaps one of the issues we have, and things are changing, I know, it's it's very difficult, for instance, for you to buy Portuguese cheese at a grocery store. Not very difficult. It's impossible. It's just yeah. straight out impossible because any grocery store you go here, you're not going to find one single cheese. It's from Portugal. You're going to find wine. You might find some olive oil. Do you think, obviously, just a matter of money and people investing and people, our producers try to export more to these sides? Because you travel a lot, do you see a little bit more Portuguese ingredients or are we still not there? No, I, I think that we we started. We're not there, of course, but we started. I'm working with a few American companies to help them choose Portuguese ingredients. We have some problems with the law, uh, like pork from Alentejo we cannot send to the States. Uh, raw milk cheeses like Azeitão ou Serra, we cannot send it. Also, the version that I... <laughs> cooked milk, so it's different, are not the premium ones, uh, but we are working on that in terms of laws, in terms of ingredients. I think now after what you told you that you, you tell your students, but it's true, we are getting more and more famous because the American found Portugal and they come and live and bring family here and friends and you are more than uh, 300 million, so it's it's a big, a big country. It's a continent. Uh, and, and if you think about America and Canada, and then they are bringing also Mexicans, and you have in Latin America also uh, many uh, people that kind of copy the American uh, customs. So they are starting to come more and more. Brazil was already a big market for us because of the language, of course. But now we have more and more from uh, Central America, but also uh, other parts of America. And, and that's very important. And after they taste it here, they want to have it there. Uh, and Spain, uh, for now, is a, a, a stronger brand. And you find more uh, like a manchego cheese or something like that. Everywhere, or Italy, yes. Or mm -hmm. mozzarella or burrata or, or even the, the Iberian pork or, or wines or olive oil. But the Portuguese is starting more and more. I, I saw now a different comparison. But when we won the mission star in Dubai... Uh, there were more people interesting about, interested about Portuguese ingredients. So we were able to send more and more ingredients to our restaurant, things that we could not do before. So this is a start. I have a project. It's still a secret between us. Please don't share to with many people. <laughs> we are preparing a Portuguese, a, a restaurant in L.A. Mm -hmm. uh, so if it happens that it's not absolutely sure, at this point but if it happens it will help also a lot to bring to bring uh, the brand the portuguese brand into that coast and uh, everywhere just text me i'll be there i'll help you i'll go there and slice some onions if you need help <laughs> yeah no, it's true there's no in dc there's no portuguese restaurants you'll find portuguese communities in newark and connecticut and things like that but the traditional portuguese restaurants you don't have it obviously you have spanish italian and all of that but yeah, um, but i understand so let's let's try to go back a little bit, uh, back 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 in the days. Who growing up? Who was the who was the cook in the family? Who was your inspiration? So I have to tell you, my wife, my mother did not cook uh, well. Uh, so my my grandmother cooked uh, a little bit better, but she was not a great cook. Also, she loved to bake, but not as much 
uh, cook. I had a, a lady that worked with in my house with my grandfather and then took care of my father and my uncle, my aunts, and stayed with, with us. And if if it was family, like uh, for, for me, it was like my grandmother too, uh, that she was called Laura and she was a great cook. I learned a lot with, with her. When I decided to become a cook, she cried a lot because uh, she thought that I could do everything that I wanted to. Mm-hmm. I had studies and uh, why would I want to become a cook? Uh, and that's the difference about uh, what then the profession became. And of course, it's very hard. But like 20 years ago in Portugal, if you tell your mother, I like I told uh, or to Laura that I wanted to be a cook, they thought that I was crazy because mm-hmm. I had opportunity to do other things. But now times changed and there's a lot of respect for this profession. Is a beautiful profession, but at the same time, more and more people understand that uh, me as a, a, a businessman, also a chef, but a businessman, a boss, we need to change and we are changing the way uh, that we look at this because we cannot work 17 hours a day like I did for 20 years because we need to be with our family. We need to be sometimes with our friends. Uh, so I started cooking alone with uh, Laura, then I made some internships. I always thought that I was going to be uh, an amateur cooking, cooking at home, and then becoming an architect or um, a marketing management manager that I studied for. But then, I don't know, I decided to, to go uh, into this. Very happy, uh, some regrets on the way because it's really, really hard, really tough, but I love what I do. And right now I don't think I can do anything else. How was that transition from being a chef and like you said, you work many hours, many hours. And nowadays, I guess you have to take more of a backseat in a way because you have more restaurants to run, right? You cannot be physically in every single restaurant. How's that transition for you? How is that instead of being on the line cooking, you got to take a little more back seats and to oversee all the restaurants? At a certain point, it's quite hard because you feel that you are not doing your work because you step up from the line. But it's really important. And then and then you see and you have to put that on paper or oh, at least I did what the company can uh, win more with you. Like what what do you really need for the for the business? And for the restaurants and like, and for me, it's like to create new dishes, to create the menus, to train the people uh, to be in the restaurants. And I, I do at least five service a week in Belcanto. Uh, so I still work at least uh, four to five nights a week till late. Uh, so actually what I do is to try to maintain the two worlds as a businessman and as a chef. Sometimes it's not easy. Uh, I don't do 17 hours anymore every day, uh, but I do minimum 14 and some of the days uh, 15. I don't do seven days a week or six days a week, uh, but I do five days a week always and sometimes six. Uh, So I stepped up but and uh, stepped out, but at the same time, it was for a better reason to be able to, to let people grow and to do what I'm better doing it because you can train a line cook and there are many other line cooks that are much better than me right now in my restaurants because they do that every day it's more difficult 
to train someone to create the dishes that you want. It has to have your identity, your soul. So I stepped up a little bit for that. And of yeah. course, I need to be in the office sometimes. I do this kind of things also, podcasts and interviews and TV shows and radio shows. I would say three, four times a, a week. I travel a lot. Uh, we have in Dubai, we're opening in China, Macau. We are preparing uh, uh, LA. There's uh, many other things to do that is very important to promote Portuguese gastronomy, to promote Portuguese cuisine, and to give them, them, I mean, my team, also room to get better and better and to grow. You already spoke here about Belcanto. Belcanto, I assume it's like your baby because I know how much you care about that restaurant. I've been at the restaurant twice. The food is amazing. The biggest adjustments for restaurants like Belcanto has two Michelin stars after COVID that you think you have to follow and other restaurants have to follow and how sustainable Michelin star restaurants in general are, in your opinion? You know, uh, a, a Michelin star restaurant, if you are, if you serve like uh, 50% of your capacity a day, you're doomed. You have so much costs, so many costs, so many people working, the food is so expensive that it's really, really hard. For a Michelin star restaurant, for you to pay your bills, you need to be full booked almost every day. And fortunately, that's what happened, happens with Balcanto. And fortunately, of course, with COVID, we had to close. We had a lot of losses, but we kept all the team. We didn't uh, fire anyone. We kept it all with big sacrifices, doing everything we could. Right now, we are working more and more, even more than we were used to work before COVID was not COVID made us actually organizing better, organize better all the group. But the, this uh, war that you have now with Russia and Ukraine and the problems that you have uh, with supply, su supply chain, with uh, energy, gas, electricity, made the cost of the ingredients go up with a big inflation, like in the States, or uh, maybe a little bit less even than in the States. Uh, so for this kind of restaurants where you have already big costs in ingredients, that uh, harms uh, harm us a, a little bit. So we need to adapt, to adjust, to put more vegetables on the menu, to be able to organize the whole menu, not to start losing money. Belcanto never was a restaurant that we wanted to be rich with it. Uh, it's a different thing. But right now, uh, we earn money with Belcanto. We pay great salaries to, to the chefs, especially, and, to, and good salaries to the team. So what we want to do uh, more and more is that. It's like to share what we have uh, with our team, because we know that it's uh, long days, long journeys, uh, and uh, a work uh, that we need to do a lot of sacrifices. What's your opinion about overall of Portuguese restaurants? I think we have... I think we found finally the last few years, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think we woke up a little bit. I think you probably know very well, if you went away from Lisbon, if you go to Evra, doesn't matter where you are, on one street, you have 30 restaurants and they're serving typical Portuguese food. And they have to set it out right in front of the door, typical Portuguese food. And for Americans, for instance, that's very bizarre because they like diversity and obviously because they're a melting pot in general. But if you open you know, a street with... 15 American restaurants, I don't think people will go there over and over again. What's your overall opinion of Portuguese restaurants, the biggest trends or fears you have for the industry 
and even looking ahead for the like next 10 years? I think it's it's quite complicated to look for the next 10 years right now. We look at next three or four or five, but I, I think that uh, Lisbon now is maybe one of the most complete city in terms of offer because you have typical, you have vegetarians, uh, you have the Chinese, Japanese, Indian, you have uh, fine dining, you have fun dining, you have modern cuisine, Portuguese cuisine, not fine dining, casual places. You have small restaurants, big restaurants. For the size of the city, you have many different things with amazing ingredients, amazing chefs, and is for me one of the best gastronomic destinations in the world, for sure. What you can see in places like Ever, as you were talking about, because they lived specially uh, of local tourism, like people from Lisbon or from Porto, and they went there and they went and they went for typical Alentejo food. So they didn't want a, a, an Asian uh, restaurant. They, they felt it was strange. But th- those communities are, some are getting bigger. So you have now other restaurants that are already more modern with some influence from other countries. But for people that come from Lisbon to go there, for them it's strange to eat that. And even for the foreign, like a Brazilian went to Everett to go to Fialho, to go mm. to Luar de Janeiro, to go to Clasquinha do Oliveira, to go to all those places that are very typical. What we talk about, like comparing with the United States, is very, very difficult to compare because if you if you think about the dimension and the number of people that live there or even visits those places, tremendously different. Yeah. But uh, what I think right now, all of this in, is possible in Lisbon and Porto and other main cities in Portugal, only because of foreign people living here and because of tourism. Or else 50% of our restaurants would close. We are starting now with Lebanese cuisine, something that in France or in, in London that you have in Paris or in London, you have for many years a lot. So uh, we have uh, like more Chinese than in Spain because of uh, our ex-colonies, Macauans, and we have some Chinese living here for many years already. We have uh, a lot of Japanese, good Japanese, or some very good Japanese already uh, because of all the con- connection with Japan. We were the first from Essen world, uh, world arriving there in 1542, 1543. We took the tempura there and a lot of influences, uh, and we brought a few too. And because, of course, the quality of our of our fish. But it's true. If you go to uh, small cities far uh, from the main cities, you still find 20 restaurants on the same street with only typical Portuguese food. But it's yeah. good. Uh, if they're good, it's, it's, it's not bad. What was your first memory of taste? You know, I'm not sure if it was my first taste, my first memory. But the thing that is always on my mind it's an ar- aroma that you almost can taste the aromas. And it is this mix between the sea and the pine trees together. It's something I was born near Ginshu in Kashkaish. And to have that, the seaweeds with the pine trees together is something that inspired me a lot in uh, some of the dishes that I did in my life. Most underrated ingredient? It used to be the mackerel, but I think we're changing that. We used to sell here like 10 cents a kilo. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now we sell already like six euros, something like that. I was one of the first to cook mackerel in a fine dining place, Tavares, and many other chefs start to do it. And it's an amazing fish that was not uh, seen like that. Overrated. 
overrated. Overrated things. I don't think that you can overrate an ingredient. You can overrate it sometimes things like putting uh, uh, gold leaves on a steak because you, you are you are missing the point. You are just doing a thing for no reason, only for marketing reasons. Yeah, just showing off, yes. Showing off. What is, this one is tricky or not, a food combination that you eat, two or three ingredients together that some people might think it's a little weird. Here in the US, and I don't want to be generalized and be mean, but I've heard a lot from dipping French fries in milkshakes, popcorn in tomato soup. You know, just someone just told me the other day, uh, toast, and they put Nutella on it, and they put scrambled eggs on top. So there's a lot. There's no, a lot. That, that, I, that I don't... Uh... You don't go, you're not that extreme? Is I don't anything... do that, but I, I, can, I can tell something that I would say most of the Americans will not dare to eat. Uh, like a pig trotters with cilantro, that is something very typical Portuguese. You eat it with your hands sometimes and you soak the, the feet. So it's something that is very traditional, but at the same time, for some, I, I saw a few books, uh, American books about cuisine, and they have this, they underline the ears and the, and the pig and the trotters, the feet of the pigs. And they said, there's a few places that actually they eat this. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's something that actually it's traditional, but for some people it's crazy to eat it. Best midnight snack. I'm too old, so I eat soup. <laughs> uh, it's soup. <laughs> I eat soup when I get home. Uh, but uh, I used to go for a steak sandwich or or something like that. One meal you can have for the rest of your life. Summer tomatoes. Some good tomatoes only with a flow of the cell, olive oil. I could have it... Uh, Every day, if we have summer every day, because it has to be those beautiful Curaçao de Boi tomato from Douro or from Alentejo. The name of the podcast is Turning Chickens and Breaking Dishes. Those are two Portuguese phrases. Turning chickens means someone that has a lot of experience and breaking dishes means someone that has exceeded expectations. Do you think you've been turning more chickens or breaking more dishes? I've been trying to balance the the two expressions, but I would say that I've been turning a lot of chickens. I've been turning a lot of chickens. At the end of the podcast, I ask my guests to sell their fish. In Portuguese, vender o peixe, it's a little bit talk about yourself. At yeah. the end, you already, you already said a few things. I know there's something called also uh, Casa Nossa, right? The project that might yeah. might be might be there soon. So just vende o peixe. Zé, Zé vende o peixe, just for a little bit. So especially, I want to talk about Portugal as a country. Amazing weather, amazing people. You will find uh, a lot of soul identity. It's not uh, damaged yet. Uh, we try to maintain the original thing. Uh, so I- I'm sure you will love it. I, I-, I made a-, a TV show for CNN um, many years ago and-, and brought a lot of people to leave it, to invest in Portugal because of that show. When we talk about food, when we talk about, when you, we show land- Portuguese landscapes, people love it and the weather and everything. Uh, but hospitality that I've talked about already. And then to get to know Belcanto, to Mission Star, Portuguese, uh, Portuguese travel inside a tasting menu, uh, the Portuguese wines, to get to know Encanto, our vegetarian Mission Star restaurant, the first vegetarian with one Mission Star in Peninsula, Iberia Peninsula, and, and the third in Europe is something very special, something that we are really proud of. We have Bayrou with uh, four concepts inside 
that you can eat from 25 euros to 120 euros, uh, different concepts with a great uh, wine menu too. And we are opening now our villa to rent only like a whole villa, the whole house, but with a, a full board with a hotel service that we want to. And, and this was a thing that COVID helped us to think about because people wanted to do something that they were more only with the family and friends and not very close to other people that they didn't know. And this is something in the interior of Portugal, in Tejo, front view to Lake Dualkeva, the biggest artificial lake in Europe, uh, one of the biggest lakes in Europe. It will be an amazing, amazing venue, amazing place for 20 people, 10 rooms with amazing food and wines. Perfect. Before you leave, what's for dinner tonight? For dinner tonight, <laughs> actually, Monday is one of my day offs from Belcanto. I didn't decide yet if I come to buy with my family to have a, a light meal or I'll prepare something for them at home. We we had a lot of food on New Year's Eve and Christmas. I know, we and all we, stuffed, so we yeah. are starting to, to come down in terms of quantity of food. We all stuffed sausages <laughs> at the beginning of the year. José, this was a pleasure. Thank you so thank, much. Thank you very much. You know, when I'll go to Portugal, I'm sure I'll go to Belcanto again. So, so thank you very Thanks much for coming. There. Pleasure. Hope to see you soon. Bye bye. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Xavier, for coming on the podcast. You guys like that? A little Portuguese introduction for 2023. Keep listening to the podcast, please. It's, it means a lot to me. I have six or so episodes to listen. I'll be back next week. This week we came out on Tuesday. Next week will be on Wednesday, the normal time. I'll be back next week. Make sure you're happy. Make sure you're safe. Adeus.